Welcome to the Livingstone Church Podcast. Our vision is to lead people into a vibrant life with Jesus. From wherever you're listening, we hope that this message encourages you in your walk with God. Well, hello, everybody. Welcome to Church Online and happy Father's Day. I'm so glad you're here with us today. If you haven't had the chance to meet me yet, my name is Jesse, and I have the honor of serving as our next gen director here at Livingstone Church. I oversee the kids and the youth, and it is such a privilege to be here this morning talking with you guys. Before we jump into the message today, I want to take a moment to honor our pastors. I think honor is a thing that has kind of lost traction in our culture, but I'm so glad that at Livingstone Church, uh, it's a very big part of our culture. So Pastor Landon and Pastor Kelly, I honor you guys. Thank you for being such great and amazing leaders. It is truly uh, a joy to my soul to be able to be on mission with you guys. If you're tuning in for the first time, welcome to our online experience. We've been in a series that we're calling Eternally Essential. And we've been talking all about how the church is eternally essential, why the church is eternally essential. It's all about the church. And as I was kind of preparing for this message, I actually, I had a lot of really cool ideas penned out that I thought was gonna be this great message about why the church is essential. And then God kind of flipped the script on me and he, and he brought this verse up to, to my mind. It's from 1 Corinthians 2, it's, it's Paul speaking. And he's talking about the way that he preached to the Corinthians. And he says to them, my speech and my message were not in plausible words of wisdom, but in demonstration of the spirit and of power, so that your faith might not rest in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. And in that moment, I felt like God was speaking to me and saying, it's not about the words, it's about my power. So this morning, I kind of wanted to take a different approach to our eternally essential sermon series. And I wanted to look at the church remaining eternally essential. And now, of course, the church is essential, has always been essential, and will continue to be essential. So this is a little bit of a play on words. But I just started thinking about that, that term, essential. And things during this time period have been deemed essential because they're necessary for life and society to function. And if we look at that in the context of the church, for the church to truly be an essential part, we have to be impacting people's lives. We have to be sharing the hope and freedom that is in Jesus. We have to be spreading that light to the world. And so I was thinking, as the body of Christ, we are the, the physical representation of God to the world. This question kind of crossed my mind based on that verse where Paul's talking about not in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. I was thinking, why are some Christians living powerless lives? Can we, can we talk about that this morning? Can we just get a little bit real? If we are to remain eternally essential, we need to be effective. The church needs to be functioning correctly. And I believe that we are, but I believe that there's some truths that, that God kind of revealed to me about this. Have you ever seen a powerless Christian? Maybe you feel like sometimes you are one yourself. I know I've been there uh, at periods of my life, like when I first got saved and I first uh, surrendered my life to Jesus. It was a powerful moment and, and I felt like transformed and it was great. But then very quickly thereafter, I found myself feeling the same you know, struggling with the same old things, dealing with the things that I used to deal with before I was a Christian. And it felt like the, the power was taken out, you know, the punch was taken out of, of my fight. Conversely, have you ever seen a power-filled Christian? Someone who is, is very, uh, very much a demonstration of Christ. It's, it's amazing, it's attractive. You, you wanna be around those type of people. My stepmom growing up, she used to call them thin-skinned Christians because you could see Jesus right through them. They're, they're truly a representation of a transformed life. And I just kind of noticed this, this, this difference between 
uh, different seasons maybe that you've been in where you felt like, man, I'm just so on fire for Jesus. I, I feel so, so ready to conquer. And then other times where we, we can feel so defeated. So what determines uh, uh, your uh, effectiveness or powerlessness? The church is no stranger to this. In the book of Acts, the church was birthed in, in great power, a demonstration of God's power. People were healed, miracles and signs and wonders were done, uh, and, and thousands were added to the church. And, and even amidst persecution, for hundreds of years, the church thrived despite what, what circumstances came against them. But then you look at church history, and there's other times where denominational divisions have entered the church, fueled by power, corruption, and they've perverted the gospel of grace, hope, and freedom for personal gain and control. So what's the difference here? What determines effectiveness versus powerless Christianity? Pastor Landon says this well. He says that proximity dictates Power. I believe the same is true about connection. Proximity to Jesus dictates your connection uh, with God and your effectiveness as a Christian. So I kind of wanted to explore the biblical concept of refreshing, because I believe that, that the church needs refreshing in this time. I believe that the biblical concept of refreshing um, would rejuvenate the church to an effective level that it, that it hasn't maybe seen in quite some time. In the Bible, in the Old Covenant and the New Covenant, there's this, this theme of refreshing. Uh, in the Old Testament, you see washing for purification. There was a lot of rituals where they would cleanse themselves. They would cleanse the objects of the temple. And there was all this symbolism for, for purification and for refreshing. And in, in the New Testament, you see the same thing with baptism. This imagery that, that we die to our old way. We're refreshed. We're cleansed by the water, which represents Holy Spirit. And we rise to new life in Christ. So there's this concept of newness, of refresher, refreshing that's offered by God in Christ, truly to be a new creation. Jesus mentions it as a fountain that, that wells up in us and overflows into eternal life. So let's look at what scripture says about connecting to the source so that we can be effective. I'd like to take us to Leviticus 6. And if you've ever read Leviticus, like the first time I did, I like basically skimmed through the whole thing. It's like, man, this is crazy. It's all these random rules. What's the application? Well, I want to tell you this morning, the Bible is applicable. The Old Testament is very much applicable to your life. Let's look at Leviticus 6, 9. Moses is talking about the law of the burnt offering. And we're going to look at it this morning and how it applies to us. Command Aaron and his sons saying, this is the law of the burnt offering. The burnt offering shall be on the hearth of the altar all night until morning, and the fire of the altar shall be kept burning on it. And the priest shall be put, or the priest shall put on his linen garment and put on his linen undergarment on his body, and he shall take the ashes which the fire has reduced from the burnt offering on the altar and put them outside the altar. Verse 11, then he shall take off his garment, put on other garments, carry the ashes outside the camp to a clean place. The fire on the altar shall be kept burning on it, it shall not go out. The priest shall burn the wood every morning and he shall arrange the burnt offering on it. The fat and the peace offerings, the fire shall be kept burning on the altar continually. It shall not go out. This fire, I think, is representative of our relationship with God, our connection to the source. Can I tell you, the greatest thing that a leader can give, that a leader can give to others, is to keep their own fire burning. The greatest thing, husbands, that you can give to your wives is to keep your own fire burning. Whether it's spouses, whether it's as a parent, the greatest gift you could give to anybody else is to keep this connection strong. Strengthen your fire. 
So can I ask you, is your life lacking fire? Have you let it go out? If we look at these verses, I think there's some application uh, because the Old Testament just points to Jesus. Uh, And it's Jesus in you that's the hope of the world. Jesus said that he was the light of the world. uh, And then he later called his disciples, you are the light of the world. So if the same spirit that rose Jesus from the dead lives inside of us, we are to be the light in the world. In verse 9, maybe this, this applies to a season of your life, these verses. It says, on the altar all night until morning the fire shall be kept burning. Maybe you're in a, in a season of night. Maybe you've been, been struggling. Maybe it's this, this whole uh, shelter-in-place season that's left you isolated. It's left you maybe in depression. Maybe you've even gone as far as thoughts of suicide. Maybe this has been a very long night for you. Well, the Bible says that weeping may last for the night, but joy comes in the morning. And if you look at this verse, it says that the fire keeps burning until morning. So is this verse talking about that season in your life? Do you need to hold on to the hope that morning is coming, that it will not stay night forever? What about, what if you're in a season of life like verse 10, where the priest puts on his, his linen undergarment on his body, which is the priest wore an overgarment and an undergarment, so that means he took off the outer garment and came before God in his undergarment. He was exposed. Maybe there's some things in your life that, that you need to expose before the Lord for change to come. It says, when he, when he was exposed before the Lord, he took the ashes, in verse 10, that were on the fire that had reduced. Maybe God, as, as you come before God with truth and, and with, with honesty about where you're truly at, maybe God wants to burn some things off. Maybe he wants to reduce some things in your life. Maybe he wants to, to take those things, move them to ashes, And then it says that he put the ashes beside the altar. So maybe God wants you to remove those things from your life. Maybe that that verse speaks to your season. Maybe verse 11 is is the season that you're in where he takes off that garment, puts on another garment, and then takes the ashes out of the camp. See, this is is very applicable. Maybe maybe you're in a season. Just just be honest with yourself right now. I know this is an online message, but, but really ask God right now. Are there some things that I need to take off? Is there a new season I'm stepping into, a new garment that I need to put on? The Bible says that, that, that old wine cannot fit into new wineskins. Maybe this is a new season for you. Maybe God's bringing a new thing. Or maybe you're, you're, you're kind of, I think everybody can identify with verse 12. It says, the fire shall be kept burning, it shall not go out. The priest should burn wood on it every morning. Are, are, are you stoking your fire every morning? Is this a daily thing? This speaks to, to a continuous kind of relationship engagement with God, not just a Sunday morning Christianity. See, that's religion. It says, I have to come to church. I check the box. I'm good to go. But that leads to powerless Christianity. This is saying this, the fire must be worked every morning. More wood must go on it. See, God reveals things to, to the preacher on a Sunday, and that's great. It's a mighty revelation, and it can even motivate you and inspire you But motivation and inspiration come and go. It doesn't sustain you. Only relationship sustains. Are you you going to God every day? Are you in your word every day? The fire shall be kept burning on the altar continually. It shall not go out. Is there fire in your life? We're talking about remaining eternally essential, remaining effective. And I think... We're talking about... 
we're talking about remaining eternally essential, refreshing, keeping the fire burning. So I think there's kind of two keys to keep the fire burning. And if that speaks to you today, um, I, it definitely spoke to me when, when, when I was studying this out and, and God was showing me because there's been seasons of my life where the fire was not burning bright and I struggled. And the Bible says that Christians are, in Christ we are more than conquerors, which means we, not only do we conquer, but we conquer more than, than the average person. What would normally defeat someone, we are more than conquerors. So if you're operating in a place where you don't feel like you're more than a conqueror, I would venture to bet that maybe there's a perspective shift that we could, we could gain. Maybe we could reconnect to the source. So there's two keys to keeping the fire burning. The first is abiding in his love, and the second is entering into the fullness of God. I just want to talk about that real briefly with you. The Bible talks about abiding in the love of God in John 15. I'd like to read it with you. John 15, 3. Already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. That's good news. Jesus has done the work to clean us. Verse 4. Abide in me, and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, and neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me, and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit, for apart from me you can do nothing. Branches connected to a vine, connected to the source. This is relational language. God is, God is inviting. And maybe that's weird for you because of, of your your perspective on God. And, and, and on Father's Day, what is your perspective of your father? Because I, I have a feeling that it influences the image you have of your heavenly father. But this imagery that Jesus is talking about is very relational. And it's only when we're connected to the power source that we can recharge. That makes sense in the natural. We plug our phones in, we charge things up. But everything natural, God uses as a spiritual example as well. Maybe this is surprising to you that God wants to connect with you. I don't know where you're at this morning, whether you've been a Christian a long time or you're just new and, and trying to check out what this Jesus thing is all about. But I would propose to you that God knows exactly where you are. He's not surprised by your sin and he loves you anyways. And he's coming after you saying, abide in me, live in me. I have renewal, I have refreshing, I'm the source he goes on to say, if you abide in me and my words in you, you can ask whatever you wish. This is verse seven, and it will be done for you. Verse eight, by this my father's glorified that you bear much fruit and prove to be my disciples. As the father has loved me, so I have loved you. Abide in my love. This term abide is the Greek word meno, and it means to continue to be present, to be held and kept continually and to remain as one. This is very relational. It says it again in 1 John 4, 16, God is love and whoever abides in love abides in God and God abides in him. If God is love and we're trying to connect to the source, then love is your fuel. Love is the fuel for your fire. That's how you keep it burning. But I think there's a disconnect sometimes between hearing about God being an available source versus entering into the life-changing freedom and tapping into that source as a power source. Some of this, I think, is related to father issues. Notice I didn't say daddy issues, father issues. I'm talking about our heavenly father. See, oftentimes we transpose the image of our earthly father onto our heavenly father. And, and on Father's Day, I feel obligated to acknowledge that in the midst of this pandemic that we're in, we're also experiencing an epidemic in our culture of fatherlessness. 
Maybe you don't have the best father. Maybe your father wasn't there. Or maybe your father uh, unfortunately did damage to you in some way. I think that this jades our perspective of God, but truly understanding the father's love is the only way to live life victoriously. Maybe this seems a little power, like how, how is just love the answer? I know, I know it seems almost cliche to say, well, the answer to all your problems is love. And that's the solution. But think about it. Jesus came, right? Jesus came not as a conquering warrior, but as a loving sacrifice. That was God's answer. That was God's answer to sin. That was God's answer to overcoming the devil. That was God's answer to empowering us to live the life that he's called us to live, to share the love of God with other people. So if love is the answer, but there's sometimes a disconnect and we don't feel connected to the Father's love, how do we convert that love to fuel? And that brings me to my second and final point today. The, the second key to keeping the fire burning is entering the fullness of God. Mm. I love it when the word uh, preaches. I don't know if you've ever read, read scripture and sometimes scripture is like it's teaching you and then other times, man, it's like the word of God is preaching at you. That's how I felt with this one. We're talking about entering the fullness of God because the truth is God has everything that you need and, and, and everything you need to live the victorious life. It's provided in Christ and yet, Sometimes we don't enter in to the fullness of all of the promises that God has for us. Psalm 63.3 says, your love, because your love is better than life, my lips will praise you. And I think Pastor Kelly did an amazing job preaching on this a couple weeks ago, uh, that, that the love of God is better than anything else in life. And this verse a couple years ago really changed my life because God kind of stopped me while I was reading and, and smacked me over the head a little bit and said, if my love is better than anything in life, why would you ever choose anything else? Why would you ever choose a lesser pleasure if my love is the greatest? And I realized in that moment that it was because I didn't understand the fullness of the love of God. And that is why I would choose the cheaper temporary pleasures of this world over the greatest and eternally satisfying love ever. It's, I, I remember that, that C.S. Lewis once said something to the effect of, uh, we are too easily pleased. We're often giving, giving into to sex and drink and, and, and fame when, when eternal peace and bliss is offered to us, like a child who would rather make mud pies in the, in the sand than enjoy a holiday on the beach. It's like we don't understand that the things right in front of us are not as pleasing. The Bible says in Psalm 32 that in your presence there is fullness of joy and at your right hand, God, there are pleasures forevermore. This is the God who can, who, who can give exceedingly and abundantly more than we could ever ask for. This is the God that I'm talking about. This is the God that if you tap into the fullness, it will keep your fire burning. Let's talk about the fullness. In your presence, there is fullness of joy, fullness. Ephesians 3 talks about the fullness of God. I'd like to read it with you. Ephesians 3.16, Paul is praying here. He's praying for the church that he just lays down this great theological argument about how in Christ they are free, in Christ they are made whole. And then he prays this prayer, and then he gives them instruction. It's in Ephesians 3. It says, He's praying that according to the riches of his glory, he, God may grant you to be strengthened with the power through the Holy Spirit to your inner being. So this is granted to us by the Spirit, what Paul's praying for. It's granted, not earned. That's key. 
so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you being rooted and grounded in love, verse 18, may be strengthened or may have the strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled with the fullness of God. So, so this prayer, to break it down a little bit simpler for you, he's praying that the Spirit would grant, which means gift, an undeserved gift, he would grant knowledge of the love of Christ so that we may be filled with the fullness of God. Do you feel like there's something lacking in your life? I know I felt like that at times in my life. What's, what's missing? I'm just, I'm not connecting. I, I don't get it. My fire feels like it's just embers. It's barely alive. Well, according to Paul, the Spirit grants you knowledge and the knowledge of God's love fills you with the fullness of God. Can I ask you, do you want to be granted to know the love of Christ? Do you want to be filled with the fullness of God? I believe that this would change everything. I believe if the church could truly grasp this, it would change everything about our lives. This has to do with purpose, design, and destiny. Because God made you to make a difference in this world. And I think so often what the devil's trap is that we get so self-focused, so stuck in our own sin, when God's not even tripping over your sin. I promise you, God knew about your sin before you even did it, and he decided to die for you anyways because he loves you. But we get so focused on ourselves that we don't end up actually walking in the freedom that is offered to us in Christ because we don't step into the fullness. God created you to be in relationship with him, to know his love, and be filled with the fullness of God. So, so where are you lacking in your life? Is it in discipline? Are there, are there hidden sins that nobody knows about? Is it in your marriage? Do you just not know how to reconnect with your spouse? Do you not know how you're supposed to do it as a parent? Do you not know how you're supposed to live an integrous life in your job when in society everything is trying to compromise our morals? You were created to be filled with the fullness of God because that love doesn't stop with you. That's the secret to God's design. This love overflows. This love is meant to, to well up in us so much that it spills out into people around us. That's what makes the church essential. You see, because you're essential, God made you to be filled with his fullness, to be filled with such a knowledge of his love that it radically transforms you. And, and you're not trying to deal with sin so much because you're so focused on following Jesus that that old stuff begins to fall off anyways as a byproduct. You are created to do more than struggle through life. The devil's plan is to keep you so focused on yourself, you don't realize you have the access to the fullness. Paul says it like this, that we can boldly approach the throne of grace to ask for help in time of need. How can you boldly approach a perfect and holy God? Because that God loved you so much that his sacrifice cleanses you of sin, of no effort or merit of yourself, so that you have access to the fullness. This is God's design. We're supposed to be taking Jesus into our context, into our workplace. Some people, I've, I've heard people say this to me. They've said, I, I just feel like I, I have no purpose with my life. May that never be said for our church. We are living life on purpose. And if you don't know what your purpose is, well, you're in the right place. We have something called Growth Track that we offer every single Sunday that's designed to help connect you with your purpose, your God-given gifts and abilities, and start you on the journey towards a vibrant life with Jesus, fulfilling your purpose. You see, God designed us to be image bearers. 
In Genesis, it says that we are created in the image of God. And that's because we are, are Christian. The term literally means a little Christ. We're supposed to be image bearers that people see us and they don't see us. They see Christ in us and they glorify God. That's the design. That's why the church is essential. And in, and in order to get there, we have to keep our fire burning. We have to connect to the source. But this starts with, with answering the door. The Bible says that Jesus stands at the door of your heart and he knocks. And to anyone who will, who will let him enter, he'll come in and he'll dine with them. This is, this is the picture of a God, of a, of a father who loves you so much that he came to you. Maybe you felt like you had to, you had to clean yourself up before you came to God. I've heard Pastor Landon say in the past that, that Jesus doesn't clean his fish before he catches them. He catches them first and then he cleans them. So are you going to answer the door today? Are, are, are you going to say yes to Jesus? Because Jesus said that anyone who believes in me will not perish, but they'll have eternal life. Anyone, no matter where you're from, no matter what race, no matter what, what happened to you when you were a kid, no matter what you've done as an adult, no matter the path that you've walked, anyone who believes in Jesus will not perish. Paul says it this way. Uh, it, he's talking to the Philippian jailer. Paul is in prison and, 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 and a miracle happens and the, the gates of the prison swing wide and God sets him free and, and it, it converts the jailer and the jailer goes, what must I do to be, save, to be saved? And Paul says, believe on the Lord Christ and you will be saved. So if that's you, if you want to believe on the Lord Christ today, can I tell you, friend, the moment of belief, you're saved. You are born again. Jesus plus nothing equals salvation. You need only believe in him. And I'd like to pray a prayer for those people who are believing in Jesus, maybe for the first time, or maybe you're, you need to rekindle your fire. Maybe, maybe you need, you're missing that passion and, and you want to reconnect to the love of God. Because I promise you, friend, it is the most satisfying thing that we can experience in this life, greater than any other pleasure. So if you're either one of those people, whether you want to reconnect to that fire or, or you want to say yes to Jesus for the first time, I'd encourage you, if you're saying yes to the Jesus for the first time, click the button on your screen. There's, a, there's an, a raise your hand to say yes for Jesus button if you're on the church online platform. And if you're not, you can just pray with me where you are because God sees you, friend. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for your love, God. Thank you that, that belief in you is all that is required. And, and we turn our hearts to believe in you and we, and we thank you for your love. We thank you that, that you have a purpose for our life, God, that you have a destiny for us and a plan for us. I pray, Father, that you would rekindle the fires or start new ones, God. I pray that, that, that our God, who is a consuming fire, would fill us in Jesus' name. I thank you, Lord, for all that you're doing. It's in your name that we pray. Amen. Thanks so much for joining us. We love you guys. Thank you for listening to this week's Livingstone Church podcast. Be sure to follow us on Facebook and Instagram for updates on how you can be involved in making a difference through your local church.